Hey friend, do you wanna offer meaningful learning solutions that create behavior change, fit in the flow of work and yield real results for your nonprofit? If yes, this is the podcast for you. Join me as I explore instructional design and leadership development best practices, as well as change management, belonging, and influence. If we haven't met yet, I'm Heather and I've been in your shoes. I'm a learning and development consultant and founder of Skill Masters Market. Before starting my business, I led learning and leadership development initiatives for a large national nonprofit. I know what it's like to need to develop your staff quickly and effectively and to build the relationships and cut through the organizational layers to be successful. And I'm bringing all of that to you in this podcast. So block your calendar, turn off your Teams or Slack chat, and let's dive in. It's learning for good. So I can remember co-chairing my daughter's school's parent-teacher group. I started in fall of 2020. And what a time to start that was. We faced so many challenges. Parents weren't allowed in the school at the time. Uh, and not everyone felt comfortable getting together in person anyway. Some of the volunteers worked full-time and could only meet at night. Some were stay-at-home parents and had more flexibility during the day. Some were single parents and didn't have childcare for evening meetings. So scheduling was tough. In addition to that, we had to think differently about how we engaged people. Traditionally, the parent-teacher group ran a lot of in-person events for families, but that really wasn't an option that year. So how could we engage families in this new environment? Plus, school had changed after the initial shutdown in 2020. Technology needs that existed were suddenly imperative and urgent. So we had to think differently about how we were going to use the existing funds to help school operate more effectively. There was a lot to consider. And this was with a group that was, quote unquote, local and had shared goals and interests. So what happens when we bring people together from across the world? We face challenges, just like the parent-teacher group at my daughter's school. But many global nonprofits are facing this exact challenge. How do they bring people together for a global learning cohort, despite the challenges, for the good of all involved? That's what we're going to explore today on Learning for Good. All right. I have Tommy Lee with me today to talk about running global learning cohorts. Tommy is a seasoned leader with extensive experience in the areas of faith and work integration, organizational development, and strategic planning. Currently, he leads three different organizations, Resource Global, Center for Faith and Innovation at Wheaton College, and Together LA. Serving as the Managing Director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation, he works part-time to develop initiatives that engage marketplace leaders and provide training and coaching on integrating faith and work. As the founder and president of Resource Global for over 13 years, Tommy has successfully collaborated with churches, ministry organizations, and nonprofit ministries to develop city engagement strategies and evaluate strategic plans. And as the Managing Director of Together LA, he works to build collaboration with ministry and marketplace leaders in LA. Tommy's leadership journey includes various roles, such as Executive Director of the Growth Center for Church and Mission at Northern Seminary, President and Founder of the City Leadership Center in Jakarta, and host of the Up Next podcast. He is also the President of Create Possible, where he has developed and managed corporate visions and strategic plans for client organizations, created new companies, and implemented funding strategies. 
With a strong passion for fostering collaboration and equipping leaders, Tommy has contributed significantly to the growth and effectiveness of numerous organizations. His experience as a special assistant to the president at Moody Bible Institute, small group pastor at Lakeview Church, and roles in site acquisition and co-location at FMHC Corporation and American Tower further demonstrate his diverse background in various industries. Tommy holds a track record of building strong relationships, driving growth, and implementing effective strategies that positively impact individuals and organizations. He brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise to empower leaders to align their faith with their work, create positive change, and make a lasting impact. He is married to Charlene Lee and has two daughters, Samantha and Cara. In his free time, he preaches regularly at different churches and hosts NFL fantasy matchups twice a week during the NFL season. Tommy, thank you for joining me today. Heather, thank you very much. It's an honor, honor to be here. Well, Tommy, you and I, we have known each other for quite some time, and I can't say enough about your bio. So I know sometimes we read through the bio and it's okay, but what does that really mean? Or what does he really do? Tommy, you are excellent at what you do. You are excellent at building relationships and excellent at just thinking outside the box creating strategy and helping people implement on that strategy. So I'm so excited that you're here today. And I can't wait to learn more from you about the global learning cohorts that you have been leading for the past several years. I'm not even sure how long you've been doing the global learning cohorts. But now I feel like the world nonprofits are catching up and they're wanting to do more and more of the global learning component. And you have such valuable experience that you can share with us. Heather, can I tell you one funny story that I learned when I was early in my career? Yeah, absolutely. So I was building cell towers. And so my average load is about 20 cell towers. So I was working with this company, Sprint. And so they said, okay, I'm going to give you 40 towers to build out. And here's what we're going to do. And so we had deployment calls every single week. So I'm sitting on my deployment calls and I'm the vice president of our region, Sonny, walks in. And he just randomly walks in. And the guy's an imposing guy. And he literally sits there in my deployment call. I said, oh my gosh. And the guy at Sprint says to me, Tommy, can you get these 40 towers built in 180 days? And I said to the guy at Sprint, I will do my best. Sonny then says to the guy at Sprint, wait, give me a minute. So he pressed pause or he says, we'll be right back. So he mutes him. He says, Tommy, can you get this tower built in 180 days? 40 towers. My average load size is 20. I said, I will do my best. And he says to me, you shouldn't be saying this to other people. And he says to me, I could care less if you try try your best. If you can't get it done right now, I will replace you and find someone who can get it done. So can you do it? I said to him, I will get it done. So he unmutes it and he says, we will get it done. Later on, he says to me before he leaves, he says, look, let me give you something. Trying your best and getting something done are two different things. I don't hire you to do your best. I hire you to get the job done. Now get the job done. So he walks away. Now he's a jerk, but I've never, ever forgotten that lesson. Intimidating, but it's a lesson that you got to yeah. take with you, right? To and this day, everywhere I done. go. Yeah, everywhere I go, I get the job done. Yep. So tell me, I went through your bio, but in your own words, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey? stops that you made and why you do what you do today. 
Yeah, you know what? I think a lot of times I always thought that I was going to be a doctor here. And so I got accepted into Washington University in St. Louis. I thought I was going to be a chemistry major. So when you come from an immigrant family, a Chinese family, it was doctor, lawyer, engineer, go pick one. And this small little university, Washington University, gave me a very, very good scholarship and granted a tender school after the first semester. I realized chemistry is just not something I want to live and die on. Men's school is just not it. So I went to the business world, and then from that point, I graduated the management degree at WashU. So from that point on, I built cell towers, worked in that telecom industry for the longest time I thought I was going to go there. Well, during that period of time, I was working with our church with the high school and college students. And so suddenly grew from 19 students to over 100 students. And so the, the church says, you're going to have to speak to this group every single week. I have no idea what I'm talking to these guys about. So I enrolled in seminary. So then Heather, from that point on, after seminary, I said, well, do I want to be a pastor? So I was a pastor of a church in up in Northbrook for about three years and realized I am not gifted to be a pastor. In fact, actually, no, for some people, they're called to be a pastor. I was bored out of my mind. And I said, this is not my job. Then from that point on, I got hired at Moody by Institute. So my role was special assistant to the president, Founders Week, Pastors Conference, and the major donors. They needed someone with corporate experience. They needed someone with church volunteer experience, but also theological and biblical experience. I was the only one that fell under the radar. And so I thought I was going to be there for the next three, four years or even beyond that. But then that actually ended after a while because the president left because of health reasons. From that point on, then I took my skills, started Resource Global, and then from that point, I realized I could do multiple things at once. So here I am right now. Resource Global is my bread and butter. We're 13 different cities, but part of my time still runs the Wheaton program, Together LA, for a period of time, Northern Seminary, all those things. I love that. And as you're talking about some of those conferences and things that you're putting together as a special assistant, you really are leaning on what you learned in business, what you learned in seminary, and how you develop people. And so I love that that is still translating and still true for you today in the work that you're doing. Now, I know that you're running Global Learning Cohorts. I know we want to talk about that and dive into that. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization that you're running these Global Learning Cohorts through first, and then we'll dive in. So, for instance, Resource Global works with young faith-based marketplace leaders. We started through a grant in Jakarta, Indonesia. Jakarta, Indonesia. Indonesia, in some sense, has 13,000 islands. Fourth biggest country in all of the world in population. From that point on, Jakarta itself, which is a sinking city, has about 12 million people. The Chinese Indonesians to make up 20% of the population, but 80% of the economy. Many of these guys come from a prosperity gospel, thinking in some sense, a lot of times God has blessed us. And if you're faithful, God will continue to bless. But so in some sense, a lot of times there's a lot of disconnect between those who are rich and those who are poor. But many of those young marketplace leaders have come from Jakarta over to the U.S., Stanford, MIT, all of that stuff. They now have returned home. How do you help these young individuals who are no longer fully Indonesian, but no longer fully American, learn to integrate their faith, their skills, all of that stuff, to use it to address some of the corruption, 
issues in their city and learn from like-minded people. They're going back home. They're working for family businesses. They're working for entrepreneurs. What started in Jakarta, Indonesia, went to Maidan over in Indonesia, went to Kuala Lumpur, went to Penang, went to Nairobi, went to Pretoria, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Hong Kong, Austin. So now 12 cities later, we just started Cape Town as well as LA. Uh, we're working on Cluj right now in Japan. Those are the cities. How do you begin to not only learn from people within your cities, but alongside with people from other cities as well too? Do you wish you could connect with other nonprofit learning and development leaders? I know what it feels like to want someone to bounce ideas off of and to learn from someone who really understands you and your work. Imagine if you could have a simple way to meet people in the field, ask questions and share information. That's why I created the Nonprofit Learning and Development Collective where nonprofit L&D, talent management, and DEI leaders can connect with each other quickly and easily in a virtual space. When you join this community, you will walk away with a new, diverse, and powerful network and a sounding board for your staff development needs. So if you're ready to exchange ideas and collaborate with your peers, come join the Nonprofit L&D Collective. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for telling us a little bit about the organization, like how who you're working with and where you are, where you're located. I think that's really going to be helpful as we get into some of the more specific questions about running the cohort. So tell me what type of global learning cohorts are you running? So thinking through the goals, you talked a little bit high level, goals, structure, how are they meeting? When are they meeting? What does that look like? Anything else you can share just to give us a sense of what these global learning cohorts look like? It is an application only. They pay to be part of this cohort. So they apply during the period of September all the way to December during that period of time. And then they go through a series of different interviews. From that point on, we pick about 12 to 15, usually about 15 people who are now part of an eight month cohort. So for instance, every single cohort has certain themes. All of our cohorts from Nairobi, Jakarta, Hong Kong, all of us all begin in January of the following year, 2024, something like that. We'll look on general themes. So from instance, month one, we have identity. Month two, we have calling. Month three, we have leadership. Month four, we have faith and work. Month five, we have justice, all that stuff. Now, all of our cities have very, very general themes. It comes up to the city director who lives in that city, who's able to contextualize it, takes that theme of leadership and identity or whatever it is, and now comes up with a specific topic with a specific teacher within that theme. And so a lot of times that's usually what happens. So every single month you meet together within the cities on that particular general theme. Also during that month, You'll also be able to pair, be paired up with a mentor, whether it's someone from your city or if you want someone different from Singapore or in the West or something like that, ideally in your own industry, who is now meeting with you one to one. And then at the same time, once in a while, throughout the entire course of our eight month, we'll bring people together where all of our cohorts come together and we'll have one primary speaker where now every room from Jakarta, Nairobi, Cape Town, Austin, LA will all come together and then they're broken up into small groups based upon different people, a mixture of different people from different cities. 
And is that when they come together as a large group, is that virtual or in-person? Virtual. Now, uh, in terms of person, we tried to get her one, like this past year, we met all together in person in Orlando. We'll probably meet together all in person sometime in May of next year in Nairobi. But once a year, we try to meet all together in person. I love that. So what I'm loving about what you're sharing is that you provide the structure and then the city director is able to take that structure and make it really relevant to the group that they're working with yep. and their contacts and bring in local, it sounds like local kind of community-based guest speakers to support that content as well. But then you also have the groups coming together and sharing that those learnings happen across the cultures as well. Yeah. And Heather, sometimes with each of the different speakers, like the Kenyans love, they want local, but once in a while, they will like an American, a Western speaker. Folks in Hong Kong do not want any Western speakers. Jakarta, just because some of them are graduated from the West, they love the American speakers. So it really depends on what the context is. Yeah, and that knowing that context is so important. I imagine that city director plays a big role in that. Yeah, and that is the key thing is whoever sits there and listens to this, if you want to expand, your key thing is finding your local contacts, local leaders who will guide you because my role is in telling what people what to do. My role is to facilitate those conversations by trust upon my city director. So whoever your city director is, better you better make sure you trust them and that they can deliver on you and be able to assess what you need. Hire wisely. <laughs> I think that that's a good application for a lot of different contexts. So tell me a little bit about, you've been doing this for a while now. You've expanded over time. So you're in far more places than when you originally started. What challenges have you faced when running these cohorts? I think a couple of challenges. One, you got to have to understand the context of it first. And, and so a lot of times when I go into a new city, I like, for instance, I just literally came back from Japan in Tokyo because we're exploring launching a resource global cohort in Tokyo. I've never been to Tokyo before. And so a lot of times I don't know how they feel about Americans. I don't even know what their feelings are, how private they are, all these different things. And so in some sense, you have to go there as a student of that culture. The last thing you need to do is Americans come in with all these assumptions, all these different things. So you literally have to buy trust. But by buying trust, you're asking questions. You're listening. You're finding your appropriate people. You're asking, what am I missing? Who am I hearing? You have to have a good understanding of what's happening on the ground. And so that's one of the key things. Because if you make the wrong assessments, or if you're picking the wrong persons, or a lot of times if people aren't will feel like they could trust you because you're not willing to listen, you're in trouble. So understanding the context, listening is very key. But then from that point on, you got to hire the right person. And then a lot of times you come from American funding. So all these different places will sit there and say, just to get the American funding, everyone will tell you they could do it. Now you're going to have to assess based upon what, and what you hear and through your interview process, can they get the job done? And so then you're going to have to test them and you're going to have to give them a low job and you're going to have to see how well they fit within those jobs. Can they fit not only in their culture, but within American culture as well, too? Because that person has to learn how to work with two different cultures and also work on your deliverables. And then a simple, something simple that I had to learn, Heather, is then you got to work on time zones because now you're going to have to work with daylight savings time. 
Europe is about eight hours. Nairobi is about eight hours. But then uh, uh, Singapore is about 13 hours. Malaysia is 13 hours. Jakarta is 12 hours. And so everything is great earlier from, from January or even from March all the way to November. But then there's the daylight saving time where it throws everything off. Yeah, I I can relate. My brother's family lived out of the country for a number of years, and it was always like, "What time is it there? Am I sending a text message in the middle of the night? What is happening?" So even just that awareness is a huge piece of it. But I can only imagine when you're actually trying to bring people together and plan in a global learning cohort, that time zone becomes even more challenging. We struggle with it in yes. the United States. I feel like with multiple time zones, and it's, well, I'm available at nine. What seven o'clock in California? So just thinking through that and then magnifying it across even more time zones and time zone differences. So you mentioned a few different things as you were talking about those challenges. And you also mentioned a few of the ways that you work to overcome those challenges as you were talking. So you talked about not having that local context and really being a student of the of the culture and spending time learning as being a way that you overcome that. We talk about the talked about the need for trust and if trust isn't there, that can be challenging and how listening and meeting people can be a great way to build trust. And then you also talked about hiring well, making sure that city manager is the right person for the role. Are there other ways that you've worked to overcome some of those challenges that you mentioned? A lot of conversations, Heather, a lot of conversations. As an American, I'm the CEO, I'm the president, and automatically, especially I find it with the Asian context, just because I'm older, I'm 46 years old, I come from an American background, they'll automatically sit there and defer to me. And a lot of times early, especially early in the process, whatever I ask them to do, they'll always get it done. I had to understand that they also had opinions. I had to turn around and build that trust and say, whoa, 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 don't just do what I told you to do. Am I on the right track? What would you do? And a lot of times I said, no, no, you're right, you're right. And I will go to bed and I wake up and get everything all done. But I also had to remind themselves, hey, look, guys, feel free to disagree with me. Folks, feel free to give me another option. And now it took maybe about two years, three years, by the third year, they started sitting there saying, Tommy, I disagree. Here's what I would do. Then I realized that we were on the same page because I said to them, that's what I needed to know. I needed you to tell me exactly. That's what I need you to go do going forward. Yeah, I love that. So opening it up, I'm part of that trust building too, but opening up that discussion and the ability to disagree. And Correct. Yeah. So I know that there are a lot of nonprofits out there that are either currently running global learning cohorts or they're planning on starting one soon. What are three tips that you would give someone who is getting ready to engage in this work? I would probably say start small, start slow. Get your feet wet. Understand the culture. Let's say, for instance, if you decide that you're going to pick one country or one city, just get to know all these different things. For Jakarta, I didn't do anything else for the first two or three years. I just need to get my feet wet. I need to understand all the kinks. I need to understand all of that stuff. Once I did something like that, then I tried something in Nairobi. Later on, I also then stuck close to home by working on Malaysia. Stay close to home. Fight the temptation of growing too big too fast. Understand that your curriculum, even though it's worked very well, may not result well. It may not really be able to be translated well in different contexts. 
So take, learn from some of those different things. Hire your first person. And when you hire that person, it's your first time understanding them. Instead of giving them a job, give them a couple tasks. See how well they work. See what your learning experience is from. And then from that point, grow the job a little bit more here and there versus saying, well, here's $2,000. Here you go. But then at the same time, they're going to have to have reporting structures. They're going to have to understand culture, all these things. Give them one job. If they do it well, expand that job, then expand that job. Get to understand how that culture works. I love that. That makes so much sense and probably applies to far more than just global learning cohorts. So hopefully as people were listening, they're able to nod their head, right? To say, yep, yep, that makes sense. That's what I would do in other areas too. It just becomes even more important when you're talking about bringing in different cultures and different contexts and creating learning experiences and, and bringing people together in that way. Yeah. And I realized, Heather, a lot of times is if I make a mistake and all that stuff, I will be the first one to say, hey, look, I'm so sorry. Help me understand. Help me to learn. Or at the same time, especially as I'm dealing with the new culture, so-and-so Grace or Fetty or Jenny, am I on the right track? Is this what they do in Jakarta? This is how I see it. What would you do if you were in my place? You're always constantly asking questions. You're also always giving power and allowing them to guide you. Yeah, that's so important. Tommy, any final words before we end today? Yes, a couple of things. Uh, When I go there in person, automatically they want me as the president and CEO from America. They want me to be up in front. They want me leading. They want me saying all these things. No, 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 no. we're not going to do that, folks. I honor your culture. I respect you. When I come to your city, I sit under your leadership. So when I walk in from Jakarta, all that stuff, folks, teams, what can I do to help? How can I be part of the team? And a lot, now I say this, Heather, with some of the women leaders who I met along the way, they have some of the greatest skills. They lack the confidence. My job as the team leader is to serve them well by helping and believing in their leadership and growing their confidence. So one of the things that I do when I walk in is I say, guys, that's our team leader right there. I myself, a lot of times, Grace or so-and-so, you're the guys overseeing the, doing the announcement. You're the one speaking. I don't need to be up front all the time. I sit under your leadership. Grace, what is it that you need me to do? Even when I have a sit there uh, opportunity to speak, I'll sit there and everyone says, folks, our team leader, Grace, does a great job. The team does a great job. And so I show them in my words, in my action, that that power dynamic goes over to them. I am always under their leadership. And by doing that, I serve them well. I honor them, but build trust into them. But when that, those, when things go wrong and there will be mistakes, Tommy Lee is a team leader. I take the hits for it and I'll, I'll own it because it's on me. But at the same time, learn it, be willing to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes because your growth, your ability to continue to grow this organization and the success of this organization rides and dies with you, but I am there to support you any way I can. The words of a strong leader right there, Tommy. Yep. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, yeah, such great insights. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your experience with Global Learning Cohort. I appreciate it. Hey, love to come back on anytime you need me to, Heather. Well, you have a wealth of information, so we might just have to revisit that and see what other topics the nonprofit learning and development leaders would want to hear more about from you. So, Talk soon. Thanks, Tommy. 
Hey friend, was this episode helpful for you? Did you like what you heard? Do you want more content like this? Here are three things you can do. Hit subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. Share this episode with a colleague. This means so much to me personally. I read every review, but it also helps me learn what content you like most so I can create more of what you want. All right, turn that Teams or Slack chat back on when you're ready, and I'll see you next time on Learning for Good.